we need to keep our clients um, ahead of the game as we're learning about what the trends are and what's out there, um, passing that along. I think technology being probably the, the biggest piece of that. Um, I can't really think of too many jobs that you don't have to have some bit of technical aptitude to be successful doing it. We are looking forward our way from Studio C in the 511 Studios. That's in the Brewery District, just south of downtown Columbus, Ohio. This is Brett. Carol and I have a really great program in, in store for you for this episode, featuring two of the best nonprofits in Central Ohio with missions to support job seekers. Brett, we have so much information to share with our listeners today. Job searching is such a complicated effort, and it is nearly a full-time job, you know, even in this market. Let's welcome our two guests for today. Jamie Phillips is an employment consultant for New Directions Career Center, and Malka Bendor is a con career consultant and workshop facilitator for Jewish Family Services. Both are located in Columbus. Thank you both for coming to see us today. Thanks for having us. Hello. Great to be here. Thank you. Thanks, Jamie. And Jamie's coming back. She, she's podcasted with us in the past, so we're glad to have her back. Yes. And before we get into programs and services, um, let's ask each of you about your own stories, why, your backgrounds, experiences, and what brought you into the employment arena. Uh, Jamie, why don't you start? Sure. So I actually started um, many moons ago. I won't give you the date, but uh, right out of college, started um, recruiting for a national search firm called Management Recruiters. I was there for about 15 years. Um, I took a, a break um, when I had a young young child at home and a husband crisscrossing the country, um, but quickly realized I needed to stay in the field in some capacity and I knew about New Directions, so I actually volunteered with them for almost nine years. Uh, my role opened up about seven years ago, unfortunately it was just a really good time and a really good fit to um, become a, a permanent employee with them. So um, that's kind of my history with there. I still get to you know, help match people to great um, employment opportunities, but um, this just takes it to a whole new level. Being able to join our clients on their on their journey, which it truly is, um, and helping watch them from the minute they walk through the door um, to securing that opportunity. Wonderful. So, super Thanks. rewarding. Malka, um, so I've been with Jam Jewish Family Services for about eleven years in different capacities, and I've actually worked with different generations. Uh, I started my journey in a grant-based remote position working with college juniors and seniors uh, at OSU, preparing them for job search and focusing on helping them land jobs in Columbus so they would stick around. That was the goal. And then my next project at our office was um, helping post-college young professionals who had spent time abroad and they needed to come back and find jobs in, in the in the US. So we help them from abroad find jobs here. Uh, currently, I work with dislocated professionals as a career a consultant and workshop facilitator. But prior to my life at JFS, and by the way, I got this job because I reached out to Jewish Family Services uh, 11 years ago. I worked as a print broker and account executive for a company called The Printing Network. We were a female owned business. And I got to manage different size print production projects. It was an amazing job where I learned really the business landscape of Columbus and fell in love with paper, ink, 
and an industry which brings brands to life. So my business background has really helped me in bringing different perspectives to job seekers. Wonderful. You know, um, I'm always teasing Brett about the fact that I pull in my friends to be podcast guests. So, you know, we we have this, uh, we call it working our network muscle kind of thing. But also, I always bring in OSU folks, and um, which drives him a little crazy. A little. A little crazy. So, but that that's okay. We we. We enjoy. Um, it all we, works. It does. It does. And and as long as I have, I can keep that network muscle going. We're in good shape. So um, I have been amazed at the number of organizations in Central Ohio that provide services to job seekers. The folks who tell me they they don't realize how many nonprofits there are. It's nine thousand or so nonprofits in Central Ohio. Uh, but in that nonprofit realm, I so appreciated the support of organizations like New Directions and Jewish Family Services that were there to help my clients, as well as just talking through what we were doing. So our goal today is really to help listeners understand the value of nonprofits in supporting their job search and how to find these resources. So first, let's go ahead and give the audience an overview of your organizations. Malka, tell us about Jewish Family Services. I will. And I wanted to thank you again for having me here, but also truly this is such an amazing community of nonprofits Mm -hmm. and the partnerships are incredible. So I feel that we're very, very lucky and fortunate. Um, So Jewish Family Services, it's an agency dedicated to workforce development and assisting clients in reaching economic self-sufficiency. And we provide career coaching and connections to employer partners, networking, community support groups. And we really have various levels of job seekers. We've got people from entry level to C-suite. Also, what we also provide is support for refugees, new Americans, seniors, and we take care of the Holocaust survivors that still live in Columbus, Ohio. There's about 200 Holocaust survivors. And of course, the goal is for them to live their lives in dignity. And there's a whole team at Jewish Family Services dedicated to giving them that life. Um, I can say about our staff that it's diverse and multilingual. I think last time I checked, it's about 13 different languages oh, that wow, are spoken there. Very experienced. and. Um, there are like really great benefits to working with a nonprofit, which include like resources and partners at our fingertips, right? And a wraparound approach and of course the low or no cost advantage. Right. And and two, for our listeners, Jewish Family Services is open for anyone in terms of the job search. Anybody, exactly. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people get a little thrown off with our name, Jewish Family Services, but we serve everybody in the community. And and that is true in a lot of the nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Jamie, tell us a little bit about yours. Yeah, so uh, New Directions is starting our 43rd year here in Columbus. Um, we are local, just to central Ohio. Um, our mission is to uplift and empower women to achieve and maintain self-sufficiency. And our vision is to be the spark that encourages and motivates every woman to live to her full potential. Um, We specialize in helping primarily women, but we do serve all adults, um, 18 and over, um, figure out based on their strengths, their skills, um, their family situations, what is the long-term career path for them. Um, We do have licensed career counselors on staff to help them figure out 
um, three three main questions. Who am I? What do I want to do? And how am I going to get there? So we serve, again, adults 18 and over. Um, we have a wide um, range of, of individuals. Um, we've served people from 18 to 80 um, mm-hmm. and everything in between education-wise, no GED to PhD. Um, so we don't really have a typical client, if you will. Um, our What would be typical is just people who come to us seeking um, a change or something better mm-hmm. and that they're stuck where they are. Um, so we do take a holistic approach for career development. Um, we help them through self-assessment, exploring their options, goal setting, and then finally the self-marketing piece of it. Um, our programs are um, all on our website um, to, to look those up, but they are small group based, um, typically eight to 12 people. Um, we also offer one-off workshops, um, and then wrap around um, employment services and career counseling. And then we also do offer additional support services um, if they are in need. But anything we can do to help our clients um, meet their, their end goal. Right. And and listeners, you know, what Jamie said about taking care of all adults 18 and over, um, when I had male clients and I thought that there was a program that was appropriate, I'd call over there and say, will somebody please talk to him? Uh, because there were opportunities um, that they needed at that point in time. And always remember that you often don't know what you don't know. And the advantage that you're going to hear about today is the fact that these professionals can help you see all those bits and pieces you need to see in terms of your career search. Yeah, well, although the pandemic brought challenges, it also brought a lot of new and actually great opportunities. Uh, what has changed for your uh, respective organizations and how has it made your agency stronger, specifically like program services and technology? Uh, Jamie, can you kick us off? Sure. Um, so <laughs> like everyone, um, we kind of got the rug pulled out from under us and, and took a minute to say, what the heck are we going to do? <laughs> um, but we knew that we couldn't leave our clients in a lurch because they needed us more than anything at that particular time. Um, so we quickly pivoted to a virtual platform, as most people did. We redesigned our programs to fit this new reality. And so um, even to this day, flexibility and adaptability are the name of the game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what happened yesterday or what worked yesterday probably wasn't going to work tomorrow. So um, we've learn that about our clients and about ourselves. But um, we really are about the exploration piece. So the pandemic um, threw everyone into a tailspin. I don't think anyone was not affected in some capacity. Um, Women, in most cases, needed to do something different. Um, They were not only faced with um, employment or lack thereof, but childcare, because obviously all the kiddos were home and and how were they going to juggle that. So the demands shifted in how we delivered our programs. Um, We wanted to make it as easy as we could. So um, the benefit was that people didn't have to worry about childcare and getting to our location because um, they could do it from home. So we um, designed all of our um, programming that was virtual that could be done on everything from a phone to, to a laptop. Because again, technology um, is typically a barrier that prevents a lot of our clients from getting to the end goal. Um, but if we knew everybody had a phone and if they could at least participate on that, 
that was one step in the right direction. One of the things we used to tell clients before COVID is if you don't have an internet access, you don't have a computer, you can go to the library. The libraries were closed. That's mm-hmm. right. Yep, that's right. So fortunately, um, we had a whole room of laptops that we used to use um, for our computer lab, and we were able to loan those out. We were able to loan out um, hotspots, which we purchased um, just to make it as doable as as we could. Um, but we started with um, just one-off virtual workshops, um, everything from self-care and assessments to resume writing and interviewing. Um, so we needed to do something to to keep our message out there and to help these people. Um, and then we refitted our traditional um, 10-day program and our E3 program um, into a virtual world. And so fast forward to two years, um, two and a half years, um, we did our first hybrid programming um in May and June, um, where we offered three of those classes were in person. Um, we did; ju- we were in the process of moving, and so we used one of the library branches for our in-person class. It worked great. Um, the ladies were excited to see each other in the flesh. We still had a few who <laughs> couldn't physically get there, and we were able to Zoom them in, and they didn't miss a beat. So it was, um, our mission was accomplished. The big fear was that you know, we prided ourselves on people feeling together and as a team and that there were other people who were going through the same thing. And how would we accomplish that virtually? And we we have been able to. And I would say that's one of our biggest victories um, that we hear from our participants that I felt a sense of community, mm-hmm. even though, you know, they were on a computer screen. And so um, we've been grateful for that. Um, moving forward, we're always going to keep the hybrid um, as an option because we know that there are still going to be those who aren't going to be able to physically get to us Great. regularly. Great. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I'm excited listening to you. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wanted to highlight also that uh, what we were able to do quite seamlessly was to move into Zoom and that we were able to continue what we had in-house at Jewish Family Services was a community that we had built there of job seekers coming together, and we moved it to Zoom. And the it's very interesting beca- because we said, oh, my goodness, how are we going to build that atmosphere? How are we going to build the connection, the love, the relationships? And so what we did was really we, we invited people to join Zoom sessions. We call it a family. We call it a job search community. And... Uh, we people were jumping on as they do still today twice a week and while we were teaching all the new trends and job search and really giving them all the job search strategy and bringing in speakers for our meetups what we were seeing what was evolving there were these unbelievable friendships and people who were connecting and people that were building these fabulous relationships and off Zoom, they were doing their own Zooms or phone calls. I mean, we we literally have still a group of women who formed a book club. And uh, these women are amazing women. They saw, they were just texting me before I came. Um, And they said that they held each other up. Mm -hmm. They were able to hold each other up. So we're really proud of the job search community uh, and that, you know, we were able to tackle a lot of topics on it, which they were so worried about and scared that we were able to talk about it. But I think mainly it was just being together. It, it was a safe place, you know? It's a safe place. 
Plus, I must share with you that we do dance on Zoom, and that's a little <laughs> bit unique to us. I want to see that. Yeah, because <laughs> I really believe that people have to, like, you know, let it out a little bit, and you're sitting like this and such, you know, so tensely in front of that screen. So we do um, our, uh, we, we always have, we always have a dance song whether I choose it or the job seekers choose it. And we boogie before we get started. And the smiles are amazing. I want to suggest it to you. Uh, and so um, you tell Celeste, I yeah, want to see her. I will. It is, it is so much fun um, and really, truly inspirational, I must say. Um, also, just on top of that real quick is that what we were able to gain from this job search community was that people in our room, you know, the professionals in our room, they, they had come from lots of different positions, and they were able to become speakers, presenters, and SMEs. They were subject matter ex experts. So many times, instead of bringing an outside speaker mm -hmm. to Zoom, we would ask our job seekers to be the speakers and presenters. And it was incredible because they were bringing all this experience. So I just want to tell you that, to me, it still warms my heart. Uh, it still exists, of course, but... That really turned out to be an incredible um, opportunity to bring people together. One one of the things that I noticed whenever I was doing Zoom and in meetings, often when you did a workshop, somebody sat in the back and said nothing. But I think that even though we weren't in the same room because you could see your picture up on the screen with mm -hmm. everybody else's picture, it sort of brought everybody out and they were able and felt comfortable participating which they may not have which is not what i would have expected yes. yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. getting off of yeah video i'm getting on and showing yourself it took time but it happened yeah. right and right. i think it um kind of leveled the playing field because oh, everybody had dogs and kids and someone ringing the doorbell and i don't care what level of you know career you were at everybody was kind of in the same you know Boat. For getting to turn the mute on or their <laughs> camera on or, you know. Getting the picture off. And so the I guy that was feel the like cat. it was a leveler for a lot of people. Yeah. Like, you know, everybody faced the same challenges with Zoom. Nobody mm -hmm. was an expert Yeah, when Very we started good. this. Absolutely. And they got a, not, a lot of new buddies and a lot of friends on LinkedIn. Yeah. Which is again, the, which was also so important. You know, they would have never met each other. But so, all of a sudden, everybody was linking, and it didn't matter what background you had or what was your previous position. So that technology actually was a boost to networking as opposed to a dampening. Mm -hmm. Good, mm -hmm. very good. Mm -hmm. Well, needless to say, our job seekers have endured incredible challenges, as we just said. How are the challenges to re-enter or enter the workforce really being met with those Virtual interviews and home offices, are resumes and other application materials different now? Or are applicants able or not able to upskill when they need to add to their resume base? Um, do you see particular groups of job seekers having more difficulty in their search? And or, you know, why? Malcolm, maybe you can get us started. Thank you. Um, you know, when you had shared this question, you know, I was giving it a lot of thought. And, you know, reentering the workforce today involves getting very comfy with advanced technology. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that we all know that, but we, I think we have a little bit more trust in people now because they've practiced for the last two years, but definitely they have to get comfy with it. And there were a lot of things that they had to 
really try to manage, you know, uh, online applications, networking, interviewing virtually, a lot of different things. But I wanted to focus on specifically on a few of the things that you had mentioned, Carol. So first of all, the world of virtual interviewing. So virtual interviewing uh, requires practice and is not as scary, you know, as it used to be. Um, I think during the last few years, we people have gotten much better at it. We're still teaching it, but, you know, eye contact, body language, proper lighting and practicing in advance on Zoom with a coach or friend makes a difference. And also um, for job seekers, you know, depending on the last time that they were in an interview, people felt a little rusty anyways. So practice really helps. Um, I think a lot of people were thrown off by the non-traditional questions that are being asked. I know that we had m several sessions on interviewing, and even one of the ones that we did about a month ago was just, how do you handle cultural interviews? That's even new. You know, um, I think that that's what people are adjusting to. Um, the advice that we give to people is, you know, to sort of check your length of time for the interview, and that'll help you plan shorter or more detailed answer. And keep in mind that we always tell them the interviewers are humans, and so they're a little bit nervous as well. Um, and I guess most important that we share with people is that, look, employers are hiring because they have a problem. Can you solve the problem? That's, That's it. basically it. You got to know if you can solve the problem. Um, home offices, you know, you had mentioned home offices. I think that we all learned how to build and deal with, you know, having home offices. But um, I think today people, we try to help them really understand what it means to work remotely, to pick a space in your house, to prepare it correctly, uh, and to make sure you've got good lighting and internet access. And we actually offer a session at Jewish Family Services on best practices for a successful uh, remote working experience. And I think that helps people when they think out where to work in the house. Um, resumes, you also had mentioned Okay, so I think if we all had to vote and you could see us, we would say that resumes cause a lot of anxiety. Mm -hmm. This Even before COVID, uh, resumes do. Um, but truly what people got most anxious about was preparing a resume for the applicant tracking system. And I think the applicant tracking system got a bad rap because, you know, applicant tracking systems are here for a reason. They, they help in recruiting and hiring. But a lot of people felt like, oh, my gosh, you know, the applicant tracking system is going to automatically weed me out. And, you know, I'm going to get kicked out and I'm going to blame the applicant tracking system. Um, the good news is, is that through interviewing and meeting with, you know, on Zoom with HR professionals, a lot of them still read resumes. I mean, mm -hmm. it doesn't weed it out necessarily. Um it may, but it depends on the applicant tracking system that the company's using, which you can research online. And But for a lot of the HR professionals we talked to, they still read the resumes. And so that's the good news. We, we're trying to decrease some of that, you know, they're so anxiety, worried, everybody, yeah. right? That anxiety yeah. around it. And um, also, one thing that we really want people to know is that professionals prefer to know sooner than later if you have the skills for the job. So when you're working on your resume, nurture the top third of it. Nurture the right. top third. And don't be afraid it's, of the ATS, it's, please. It's real estate, location, 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 mm -hmm. and the top third is so important. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you think that with the applicant tracking systems, is it different when you're looking at large organizations? I mean, really, really large organizations as opposed to 
small, medium-sized companies. I think HR does a lot more at that level than when they got literally thousands and thousands of applications coming in. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Small and medium-sized companies may not invest in an applicant tracking system. The large organizations have made it a must, and they have to, but it's so much more than the resume because they want to be able to go through the whole candidate experience. They want to use it for different purposes. I remember speaking with an HR professional and said, Malk, we turned off that part of it. We don't weed out any resumes. Really? You know, you know, it's we, we use it for other reasons. Mm-hmm. And so I think what we were trying to do is help people understand what's behind it. And we actually walked them through, you know, what an applicant tracking system does. And we also um, really encourage people to use JobScan and, and other. There's so many platforms out there to help you check your resume and, you know, Make sure it's that it's set up correctly. Yeah. yeah, and people can follow guidelines. There's very there's specific applicant tracking system guidelines. They're not hard. They're going to break down for you what you need your res your font, your font size. Where you know different things on your resume, and it'll tell you you know what to do and what not to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. follow it. Uh, right. So that, that's what we tr- we try to relieve that stress. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in the market that we're currently in um for a good number of positions out there employers can't rely on those systems necessarily because not everyone is going to take the time to customize their resume and that person may have exactly what they're looking for and those employers can't afford to let someone slip through the cracks if you will so Mm -hmm. they i'm hearing from the employers that i work with that they have to put eyes to to those resumes because um, especially for really specialized roles they mm-hmm. can't afford to let someone slip through right. um, i talked to an employer today who put a position out there um, and i feel like she said um, you know she got like six responses and she was like i have to f- go through those six with a fine-tooth comb to make mm-hmm. sure that i'm not missing someone so i think people are a little hesitant to apply for some organizations because of the fear that it's just going into a black hole. So we encourage them, what's the worst thing that can happen? If you don't apply, you're never going to hear. You know, at least if you do apply, you've got some chance of of hearing from that employer. Mm -hmm. And and it's kind of their market right now. So the chances of you hearing something are better than not. Absolutely. Right. Um, well, employers are having a difficult time finding qualified candidates. We touched upon that just a little bit here, but it's also retaining current staff. Has your respective agency shifted its connections to employers, possibly found new opportunities, methods, or programs to connect employers to clients? Jamie, how are employ- employers working with New Directions? So um, our base has expanded greatly within the last uh, several months or so. Um, I think employers are seeking out nonprofits because they mm-hmm. see that we do workforce development. And gosh, we might be working with someone who's really qualified. Um, our client base has shifted in the last 10 years. And, and these are professional individuals that are seeking our services. And so there's that. But I think um, employers know that they need help right now. I mean, the traditional ways that they've gone about recruiting, they're at a standstill. I have recruiter friends that 
aren't even spending the money to post jobs on, um, you know, Monster and Career Builder anymore because people have got a bad taste in their mouth over some of those job boards from past experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, So LinkedIn is something that they rely on. Um, Resources like ourselves. Um, I think that they feel that we can present them qualified candidates um, at no cost because, um, you know, if they're working with a recruiter, there's going to be a sizable cost for that service. Um, And I feel that they know that that person has gone through a process to get Mm -hmm. to the point where we feel that they're qualified enough to present them to that to that employer um not that the employer is my client like it used to be when i was recruiting but i still feel the same way i want to make a great um you know impression on them and to have them want to return to new directions to contact me when they have those needs so i want the person that i'm going to show them to to be the best possible candidate that that i can present to them so i i feel like they maybe are feeling like they're getting a little more um customized approach if you will um we're not just firing anybody out there because there aren't a lot to fire out there um i think that um, employers are viewing social media differently as well they have to um they have to be smarter than their competition and um we've tried to encourage employers to offer a little more flexibility maybe than what they have. You know, is Mm -hmm. there the possibility that this person might be able to work remotely or hybrid? Um, Here's what's holding them back from being able to really accept this great job with you because they don't have the childcare that they need or the, the bus route, you know, is, is not the easiest. They have to take three buses to get to you. Um, So I think employers are a little more open to, listening um and if they really like someone how can we make this work Mm -hmm. versus we're going to move on to someone else because there may not be someone else to move on to absolutely when you mentioned an employer had six candidates a friend of mine had six positions open Mm -hmm. and had a total of two candidates and it so they're not going to just step away but it also has to work it you know what what is their problem and how can you meet that problem. So very good. I think what's also been interesting also is that, you know, the goal is to stay connected, you know, with the HR professionals. And a lot of them have been moving around to Mm -hmm. different companies. It's very interesting. Like we're getting a lot of messages like I moved from this job to this job to this job. And so also, you know, we see some movement in there and, uh, you know, just reminds us of how important it is that we have to stay in touch. Mm. Uh, via LinkedIn or email with these professionals that were close to us at a previous company and, you know, see if we can help them at their new company. So I think that that's really something that I've seen recently. I'm like, oh, you're here? Oh, you're not there anymore? Kind right, of a deal. So. Right. I, I th- those, the HR reps tend to move a bit anyway. Yes. But it has, uh, things have changed a lot. Um, and I'm guessing, too, they're a bit burned out because it's been so tough over the the last couple of years. Are there other kinds of things that you've seen employers doing to attract clients that you think are really good ideas? It's, it, you know, more benefits and flexibility of schedule, that sort of thing. But is there anything else going on out there that would be a good message to our employers? 
sign-on bonuses um, for roles that I don't think you would have ever gotten a sign-on bonus for in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, Offering up more time off or vacation time, that doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily cost them much. Right. Um, So, yeah, I think they've had to get a little creative. I was talking to an employer the other day, and he he brought up a, a good issue, and this was really particularly for some of our younger job applicants. Um, they have that sort of Uber driver attitude on working. So they may really like your organization and they really do want to work there, but after a couple of weeks, that's ah, enough. So they, they don't want to either, they don't want to work there at all, or they want their own schedule. So they may want to work on Mondays, maybe not. So it's that notion of, I have a schedule I need you to meet. Can that happen? And that's a difficulty that he's been having. I think what's really going on with the employers today is that they're taking a step back and they're trying to figure out what the best way of still being productive, efficient, and making money looks like. Mm -hmm. This is what they're facing now. These are economic times in which companies have been rattled. They got rattled during COVID, and then we saw that they started rehiring again. Then the economy changed again. So they're constantly trying to figure out what to do. And um, the, the people that they're bringing on board, like younger people, definitely have a little bit of a different mindset than, than individuals who have been in workforce for 15, 20, 25 years and see jobs in a different way, see right. their see their responsibilities, see their dedication. They're more loyal. And so, you know, they have to try to manage everything. It's like it's really a balancing act now for the employers. Uh, And I think that that's what is causing more conversations because you're supposed to have more conversations now. And you have to be braver. You don't have to worry about anymore saying, nope, I want another $20,000. My son-in-law just got a job, and he stood for what he wanted. He said, nope, I'm not going to change this. And I'm like, you are? <laughs> he goes, no, this is what people are telling me I should ask for. And I asked for it and he got it. And that's something. So again, maybe yeah. we need to be training it's, people in those conversations more right. as to how to have them. Right. And and to do to to have that conversation with a potential employer in such a way that it's you're not it's not um me against you it's really a working relationship let's see if we can make this happen for both of us that's right and the other thing i think that we're seeing a little bit you know i don't know about you malka but a lot of times i get from clients oh they're gonna think i'm too old or my experience is too much or this or that and we can work with that but i think employers have a new respect for mature workers because they come with a different set of values right that right. they find valuable again i guess if you will and so not to discount the younger generations coming out mm-hmm. they certainly have a lot to offer but i think after all that we've been through there's a lot of benefit to someone that they can count on that if they offer them the job they're they're gonna stay for right. A right. while, um, and it's just a different um, value set and thought process, I think. But I think it's helping people who had previously been 
worried about that as being a stumbling block for them, right? Right. right. Part of my uh, graduate training was in actually out of the business school in workforce development and organizational behavior. And then when I went to work at, at the agency and started working with adults 50 and over, I really loved seeing articles about how things could change and have changed. So the sort of the testament of changing um, uh, structural changes in an organization actually happened happened in Europe. And this happened decades ago. There was, and it was an auto assembly line. I want to say it was in Germany. I wasn't, I won't remember that off the top of my head, um, where they literally raised the work platform up so many feet and found out that not only was it better for all of the workers physically, they had fewer back injuries, but they put the older workers on one line and the younger workers on another, and the older workers were working faster and and more, um, uh, they were more accurate. So that sort of got employers looking at little changes could make a huge difference. The other story that I loved was in New York City, the last factory that actually made men's ties in the country. And the workforce, the average age was like late 40s, early 50s. And the owner was scared to death. He was going to be losing all of these workers and he couldn't find people to do it. And again, this story is probably 10 years old. He gave every worker a key to the factory and said, as long as you work 40 hours in this seven-day period of time, I don't care when you come in. Now, in that situation, there was probably some coordination, but basically each person had their work stand and could go in whenever. And they made more ties than they could possibly ever need because it gave the person who needed to baby be home during the day for taking care of a child or a grandchild or an older parent or whomever had that flexibility. And so it does take a little communication. Yeah, apps to make apps, that happen. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Let, uh, that and training your HR professionals how to communicate and how to be sensitive to all different uh, generations that are applying for jobs, right. and to have an open mind and to see the value. Because guess what? If you hire the right person and you need a problem solved, they'll solve it. Right. We've touched on this a little bit. I just want to make sure we've kind of hit all the 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 I, great ideas so that we make sure our job seekers hear the value they're getting. You did a lot of changes when COVID started on the programs. Now you've started to bring that, bring in how in-person services back in. And while you're refocusing on those client services, are you finding something that's more successful while you're communicating with clients? Um, are things b- better virtual or live? And, and I think part of my question is coming from, it's really hard to keep people communicating with you. While they're in the program, you talk to them. When they need you, you'll talk to them. But it's hard to keep that continued conversation going. We give people a lot of choices as far as how they want to communicate. Mm-hmm. As far as um, whether it's on you know phone or on Zoom or on Teams, but we're constantly keeping the communication going. Um, and as far as uh, having them, you know, back at Jewish Family Services, we are working hard on it. We just refit our ma- meeting space with technology to conduct hybrid sessions. So we are trying to 
uh, we're, we're trying to think creatively and trying to get them back in. But I think that the most important thing that we're still doing is managing our relationship with them through different communication styles and really adapting to what they need. So if somebody wants to be on the phone with me, cool. If somebody wants to be on the phone with me or do a Zoom session, great. So um, that's the way we're sort of um, approaching it. You know, people are on such an emotional roller coaster. Mm -hmm. And so we want to, you know, be able to say to them, you can call when you need to call. You can text. We try to get back with you as soon as possible. Um, And we're trying, we're putting in every effort to make sure that people either can come to Jewish Family Services or continue the relationship that we have with them through, you know, other other ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just uh, a bit crazy out there right now. When you think of it, after healthcare issues, employment was the top issue at the beginning of COVID, and mm-hmm. things have just they're springing here and there and someplace else. And uh, in terms of of issues, either companies close down or employers can't find enough applicants, or things are so expensive people can't afford to drive to work. So there's yeah. there. those things are happening. And then I can say happily, though, like recently, we've had several people 55, 60 and 70 years old get jobs. Mm-hmm. So that just makes me happy because I think one of the great things that came out of COVID was the fact that you really had to increase your networking skills. Mm-hmm. You had to be brave and go out there and talk right. to people and you had to apply and you had to think out of the box. If you weren't going to go back to a big company, you can go back, you can go to a smaller company. Mm-hmm. Like, it's been amazing to see where they've landed. So that that gave me a lot of hope yesterday. I got a good email. Yeah, you got the job, you know. And this, well, and he's 70. There you so, go. Yeah. I don't know if you want to. Yeah, I would echo um, that, you know, we, we do survey our clients on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. What do you need? What, what's working? What's not? And really about half of them um, want some type of hybrid option. Um, And so we have to meet them where they are. And otherwise, (laughs) we're not going to have any clients. They're going to go somewhere else. And so not that we're going to do back handsprings, but um, again, I'll call you. I'll meet you on Zoom. I will meet you in the office. You tell me what's going to work best for you, and we'll make that happen. within reason uh i mean since covid happened we we tried this app that was supposed to be our office number that would come on our phone and i failed miserably at at that (laughs) and so um most of my clients have my phone number but i i offer it up with um please just be respectful you know if you need me after hours please text me or shoot me an email you know that i'm going to respond to that because you see what hours i i do respond to you Mm -hmm. um but i'll ask that you not call me you know before eight or or after six ish, um, you know we try that. But but I can also choose not to answer that phone too. So I need to get better at that. But I think um, we again just moved into a new space. So we were for a couple of months like really our office was not. They couldn't come. <laughs> I mean it was a disaster. Right. Us trying to pack and move. Um, so now we have a great new space. So we're excited for people to start to come back and and um, be, be in person again. But I think, again, just that flexibility is... Which I think is a really important message. Kind of the goal of this podcast is to talk about what a, a nonprofit career job search program can provide to both employers 
as well as to clients. Great. Right. Great. Well, we know that our crystal balls were out of focus in 2020, but if you consider the next two to three years in career exploration and searching, what do you think applicants will be facing? I mean, how do you see the whole uh, role of nonprofits? What changes may be needed or changes faced? Jamie, your thoughts? Well, I think that um, we need to keep our clients um, ahead of the game as we're learning about what the trends are and what's out there, um, passing that along. I think technology being probably the the biggest piece of that. Um, I can't really think of too many jobs that you don't have to have some bit of technical aptitude to be successful doing it. And so we talk about online training. There are lots and lots of free resources out there for brushing up your computer skills, um, Microsoft Office, Excel, PowerPoint. Um, you don't have to be an expert and you don't have to tell them you're an expert, but if you can sell yourself in that interview and come across as confident that you can do it, um, do some of those trainings. You can get some certifications. That's all stuff you can put on your resume that, again, may help you with those applicant tracking systems if they're looking for that. Um, and it's going to show that you are forward thinking, that you're not just sitting there, you know, doing the same thing that you've always been doing, that you are trying to better yourself, you're trying to improve your skill set, and you're making yourself more marketable. So I think um, helping them with technology, I think networking has t gone to a whole new level. Um, talking about the benefits of LinkedIn and Facebook. Um, Facebook is not just, you know, to share your weekend pictures anymore. I know a lot of people, especially the younger um, generations who that's how they network both professionally mm -hmm. and, and personally. And you gotta hit these areas as best you can especially if you know that your employer is of a certain generation, show them that you know how to navigate these, these platforms. So I think that's big. Um, you know, we, one of the things that we do, I think virtual interviewing is not going away. I think it's here to stay. Um, we at, do at least at the first cut. Yeah. Okay. We do mock interviews as part of our, our yes program and um, we obviously had to do that virtually well guess what it works a heck of a lot better because that employer doesn't have to get in a car to volunteer to come to my office that participant doesn't have to come to the office right. we don't have to try to find space for 10 people to do mock interviews um, and so that's worked beautifully so I don't see and it also gives them practice in the classroom doing a virtual interview, which they're inevitably going to have. So mm -hmm. that's been beneficial. Um, so I think just helping them stay a step ahead of the game, figuring out what are my transferable skills? Well, this is all that I've done. And this job is totally different. Well, let's look at what you have done because you've done a lot. So that doesn't mean you can't do that. We just have to help you figure out how to, um, match your skill set with what those jobs are and figure out their lingo and use some of that. And and really, that's what it comes down to. Um, you know, I always say I, I have a 21-year-old, and even in the time that I wasn't collecting a paycheck, I learned negotiation skills like nobody's business. I learned <laughs> how to juggle responsibilities, right? I learned how to think on my feet. 
Um, and so I tell those other people who were in that similar situation, you can run a business like you do it. You do it daily. You know, you just have to figure out what are those key skills that that employer is looking for that, you know, you have and bring that out there. So um, I think just staying ahead of ahead of the game, being flexible, um, being willing to learn. I think that we all need to think of ourselves as being ongoing students, you know, right. students of life, because right. um, when you st- stop being interested or learning, I think you're you're doing yourself a disservice there. Yeah. No, I, I agree with everything you've said and, and the journey that people are going on. It's I think it's going to stay similar as far as prepping, for, you know, a, for job search. But I think that also what's really important is that we have to understand that as businesses are evolving all the time and we also have to understand their process a little bit and sort of think a little bit about where we're applying, what we're, why we're applying there, what kind of business are they. Like really give it also that sense of like, let me understand a little bit more about business and I think that that will help help them stay more realistic um, as they're pursuing new opportunities. Um, I was thinking it was funny when you said about the uh, what you, the crystal ball that you had mentioned. I was like, well, it, when if I have a crystal ball in front of me, will in two or three years will a resume be there, or is it just going to be your online application and LinkedIn mm-hmm. all coming together? Very true. Like you know, yeah. I was like, and LinkedIn would love that. Yeah, LinkedIn, <laughs> yeah, with eight hundred and some million people right. on it. If they start doing that, we want a piece of the pie. <laughs> <Right>. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, those are the kinds of things I was thinking, because look how far we have, look, look, look what we're doing now, where we are now versus a few years ago. Um, and also I think that in the world of upskilling and reskilling, it's just, it's going to be the norm. Right. You, you have to upskill and reskill. You really just, you know, don't have a choice. And that if you are, if it's not on your resume or if you're not thinking or talking about it, more than likely when they look at your resume or they start interviewing you, you might move to that other pile because it's so critical today. They mm-hmm. they want you to be able to come in and swim. Right. So. You know, I, I, I'm sitting here in awe for both of your organizations because when I started nonprofit management 12, 14 years ago, um, I think there, it was during the recession, and I think people had forgotten the value that nonprofits had and what you could provide both employers and job job seekers. When you think about this last 14, 15 years of all the work that we have been doing in that nonprofit realm, nonprofits demonstrate at the top of your game how to make change, how to change yourself, how to um, rebrand yourself, how to upskill, reskill yourself as an organization to make sure you can still meet your mission. And so as organizations have caught on, and I I do believe businesses are a little bit, um, they are much more reactive than proactive, unfortunately, but you can use your, your, or yourself, your organization as an example to, to job seekers. We had to be lifelong learners. We had to, we couldn't do Zoom with you until we learned Zoom. Um, We could not figure out how to deal with resumes with applicant tracking systems that are constantly changing. So, you know, 
I'm in awe of both of you and your organizations for all that you've done. So to kind of pull that back together to my my list of questions here, we always ask our guests for your last words of wisdom. And um, we have gotten surprised at that many times when we've <laughs> talked to our guests because they're after all the long conversation we have, then they have this last pearl that they drop on us and that is incredible. And I know both of you are going to have pearls. Mal could get us started. Tell our audience, what do you want to make sure they have heard today? Any other last words? Thank you. Um, <laughs> so what I would share, just a few words of wisdom, and I asked a few other of my colleagues, believe it or not, to throw in uh, a little bit of their thoughts about it too. So, um, well, I would share, and a little bit of advice would be like, don't spend time reliving your past successes. Spend time identifying those successes that can help an employer's needs today. So I thought that was some pretty good advice to give, uh, to stay intellectually curious, feed mm -hmm. your mind, uh, stay physically active and try to surround yourself with people who are supportive. Um, use resources that are available to you. We're all on an emotional roller coaster. Uh, that, it's a little bit havoc in there, uh, but there are a lot of resources out there and Absolutely. take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. And I would say personally also just, I think people have to be patient. I think that we really, um, we want answers quickly. We don't want to be ghosted. We want them to reply right away. Right. Why aren't they calling <laughs> us? Why aren't they telling us, okay, I got rejected, but why? And I think that we all have to try to be a little bit more patient. There's reasons behind that, but patience pays off. Uh, don't ever cut off any connections right. after you've gone through an interview process because you know what? You're not in a Rolodex anymore. You're in an applicant tracking system, and they keep track of you. Exactly. They might call you back. Exactly. So, those are my thoughts. Wonderful. There. Thank you. Jamie. So I would say um, you know, to everyone, you are worthy. You have amazing mm -hmm. strengths and, and skills to bring and values, talents to bring to the table. Um, if you need help finding you know, what works, we are here to help you tell your story. Uh, I think a lot of our clients have amazing stories that they are uh, self-conscious about. And so we try to help them feel comfortable to tell that story. They're the only one who can truly do that. Um, we are in a whole new world. Um, I, I, as I said earlier, I don't think anybody's any further ahead of the game than anyone else. Um, I heard a saying, you know, we're not all on the same boat. No, we're not. I might have a raft, you might have a bigger boat, but we are all in the same storm. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think we need to be supportive of one another. We are here to support. Um, there are more resources than ever before in Central Ohio. And gosh, I knew we had a lot of great partners in our community before COVID, but I'm overwhelmed with the amount of support that has has come from, from right. this. And right. so... I truly believe that so much good has come of this last couple of years, um, despite, you know, a lot of challenges that everybody has faced. Um, so hang in there, be, you know, stay strong, be tight, and know that you do not have to face this alone. You, you have a lot of great support. And for our listeners, I was just working on a recent um, research project, and I actually identified 50 agencies in our central Ohio region, which is 11 counties, 
that provide career services. So there is help out there. And as a listener, if you're not in central Ohio, you know, we will make sure you have some tips on how to look for assistance in your own community. But I'm hoping that you have um, that this is what your whistle uh, and and uh kind of gotten you interested in utilizing. If you're job searching, utilize the resources that are available. All right. Well, many thanks to Jamie Phillips from New Directions Career Center and Malcolm Bendor from Jewish Family Services for joining us today. Listeners, thank you for joining us. And do not forget to check out our show notes for contact information and resources, as Carol just mentioned. Uh, it's going to be on our website and the podcast episode. The website is lookingforwardourway.com. We're looking forward to hearing your feedback on this and any other podcast episodes.